Welcome to the 165th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner 48 studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're catching up from about the last uh, six weeks, Jordan, since we last did a show. Yeah, um, we actually had one sort of planned after the Big Ten dropped their football schedule, but then they didn't actually, you know, decide to play football. So we kicked it down the can, kicked the can further, but here we are, Mason. Yeah, and we'll get into uh, all of that here. But first, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan Allied offering tents and uh, seeing a lot of those around this area for uh, outdoor dining. Yeah, uh, what a strange time we are living in right now on that note. and it, It's made it a little hard for me to focus on sports. I don't know about you, Mason. It has, and, and the games really just aren't the same without the fans. You know, I, I didn't I really find them, I, I don't find them worthwhile in a way. You know, they're, they're not, it's not the same game that we knew. No, it, they're not the same games that we knew. And I don't find it significantly worse without fans, but I have heard a lot of people say that. I think you really miss the fans in big moments, like uh, when uh, Luka Doncic made a buzzer beating three, that should have been like a huge crowd moment. That should have been at home in Dallas. And without the fans, it really takes away from the gravity of, this, of that of those moments like that. It does. And if you look at something like the Packers training camp where they have the whole, you know, riding bikes with the kids and, and riding, you know, the bikes uh, through the fans down to the practice field, you know, just those moments aren't there. And training camp's such a big, you know, fan engagement moment for the NFL and and even if you look at college football, you know, what what is college football without the fans? I thought that exact same, you know, it, it's, I thought that exact same thought, yeah. You know, college football is such a community-driven thing that I feel like without those tailgating or those big fan things, like who wants to watch a game? Well, my first thought is actually who wants to watch a game at Happy Valley without the fans or any, any other number of big environments, or watch a game at LSU without 100,000 people there. It's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes back to the, what is college sports? You know, it, it, everyone likes to say and point fingers that it's this huge money-making machine, but it also draws entire communities. Not not Maryland, you know, I'll be the first to say that. But you go down to a place like a Nebraska, an Iowa, most of this country, Jordan up, you know, in Fargo, North Dakota State, University of North Dakota. I mean, these are community-wide events that have been, you know, people wait all year for those six or seven Saturdays. Yeah, and it takes away, I think, a lot of the experience. It just does. And, of course, I would rather have sports be played at all. Like, I, I... I I guess we're just going to tie back to this, but when the Big Ten announced they weren't going to play, which we'll definitely dive into in a second here, like 
I texted you and Wayne that I didn't want to leave bed. And I wasn't kidding. Like that was such a devastating blow for me that Maryland football, even though I've had a strange relationship with Maryland football in the last decade or so of my young life as Mason, you all know, it really, really hurt that they weren't going to play this year. Yeah. And it's just, it's not the same, you know, I couldn't even imagine going to school now, especially because, you know, part of the reason why a lot of kids pick these schools is because they're great football atmospheres. Those six or seven Saturdays are supposed to be, you know, what, you get 28 of them, or like between 25 and 28 of them, if you go to a big football school in your career, that's gone. You know, whether it's your senior year, freshman year, or anywhere in between, you don't get to experience the college life. You don't get to experience, you know, forget all the parties, but th- those moments, you know, those game days, that, that's what a lot of people live for. You know, it gives people, Jordan out in North Dakota, kind of something to look forward to. It's getting cold, but at least there's football. Yeah, that's very true in a lot of the country. I mean, for those big fan bases that aren't going to get to play this year, like, you know, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State, Iowa, so much of the Big Ten, it's a devastating blow, I'm sure, for a lot of people. But even and for the schools was... that aren't, oh, go ahead. that don't have those huge fan bases, a Maryland, you know, you can throw that out, a Northwestern, those are still moments that the kids that go to the schools, whether they show up to the games or not, it's still a big event around campus. I mean, look at that Maryland-Penn State game last year. The first game every year at Maryland. All the freshmen are out there. You know, it's kind of that moment where you're like, wow, I'm in college. You know, I, I made it to this point. And sure, they might not go all four years or once they move off campus, it's not the same or whatever you want to say. But even for those schools where it's not everything, it still means a lot. I mean, it's still a unifying event and it's still a huge event. It's the biggest alumni gathering of the year. I have nothing to add on to that. I think you're 100% right, and that is something I think a lot of people have taken away. And I need, I need to shout this point out that I saw on Twitter um, yesterday because I think it resonate, It really resonated with me. Uh, there's an account I follow called Sports Media Watch, which really puts out the most, of the, most of their things TV ratings for sports, which I'm interested in. But they've said yesterday what, in the wake of NBA delaying most of their postseason, they – that – they keep seeing the guy who was tweeting says, I keep seeing the people who are saying oh, sports aren't important and all this other stuff. And you, and it's infuriating because for a lot of people, sports are really important and you don't see it with other type of stuff. You don't see people saying, Oh, stop t- playing on TV. There's other more important things going on or stop making video games or whatever else, because why not? Like, I feel like sports are so critical to so many people's livelihoods and what mental well beings and such an important distraction. And that I, it really frustrates me that people keep saying, oh, sports don't actually matter, because I will bet you if you'd polled like most of America, you'd get competitive, if not more people saying sports are more, like critical to their livelihoods. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you're trying, you know what I'm trying to say than TV or video games or anything or like other th- stuff that people don't throw into the bus as much. Like, I don't get that narrative. Yeah, I don't either. And with that, let's kind of get into it, Jordan. The Big Ten 
Commissioner Kevin Warren cancels the season a few weeks ago, and it sparks a uprising that I personally did not expect to see. No, I didn't expect to see it either. So I think a lot of it was in the how it was handled, um, mostly because the Big Ten put out the schedule, I think, four days before they announced cancellation, and people were getting ready, like saying, okay, we're doing this, let's, let's get going. And then they slammed the door on it. And I do mean slammed the door on it. They didn't gingerly say that we're reapproaching the subject or anything. They, they just kind of cut it off again. And they didn't give a good explanation they still, they good still haven't given they give, a good explanation. No, they give any explanation for, I think, four more days till after they canceled it. And even then, like, their explanation was poor. They, so the explanation I don't have in front of me, I do remember, it was basically linking COVID-19 to heart conditions during, like, physical activity. And the natural response that they haven't really clarified yet is, okay, if this is out there, then why are all these other leagues playing yeah, around and, the world? And that's... That's really the sticking point. And from there on, you know, this has not been a good look, and none of it's really been a good look for uh, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren. I mean, these past couple of months have been just bad luck after bad luck for this conference, and this certainly didn't help. Because you still have the parents at countless schools joining together looking for an explanation of why their kids can't play. And, and I'll be honest here, I have not been following this this much because I, I just don't like to read it, you know, and, and that might be stupid in a way, <laughs> the way that I just phrased that. But it's one of those things where, you know, I signed the petition. If the players want to play, let them play. I'm a huge proponent of that. But this conference is they have real concerns from a business standpoint. And it would be one thing if they came out and just said that, but this smoke and mirrors trying to come up with this heart condition thing where there's been mixed reports of players coming down with that heart condition, I believe the Georgia State quarterback as being held out of this season. But you're right, Jordan. Look at the look at the sheer numbers here. The MLS is playing. The NBA is playing. The NHL is playing. The SEC is playing. The NFL is in the training camp with 11-on-11 contact. Say what the actual reason is so people can adapt to it. But there needs to be transparency, at least from the conference to the schools and the parents. You might not have to tell us, but at least, at least, tell the people that you're affecting directly their livelihood and what they've trained their whole entire life to do. So, and building on that, one of the um, counterpoints or just observations I've seen, is that the Pac-12 didn't get blitz like this. Then the reason is what you just said. The Pac-12 telegraphed well in advance that they were going to do this. They, on the night before they did it, they were, actually two nights before I think it was, they called all the coaches and the president and said, we're going to make this move, tell your players now. They were very upfront with that. We don't feel comfortable playing. Whatever the reason is, here's what's going on. We're letting you know now. And people were okay with it because that was expected and they got heads up. And and the Pac-12 is just a completely different part of the country. Well, that's also very true and a huge part of it. But I think they would have gotten a similar situation, maybe not as violently bad, if they um, did the same thing the Big Ten did. Yeah, and and I think that, and not to get too into the actual scheme of this, the Pac-12 from a business 
aspect to this larger scheme of college football has been falling down constantly. Oh, yes, that's indisputable. And Ohio State is the most watched team. I mean, yeah, they, when you think when you think college football, you think Big Ten or SEC. Yeah, and, and I think that that's where a lot of the actual angst is. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, the Pac-12 prepared a little bit differently. The Pac-12 has been a joke now for how long? I mean, the referee schemes, the commissioner calling the booth referees or whatever that was a few years ago. The Pac-12 has just been run as a joke. But the Big Ten, under Jim Delaney, was the premier example of how to run a college sports organization. Jordan, do you agree with that? Oh, I didn't ever particularly care for Jim Delaney, but I will not dispute that. And this transition of power has been a mess. And I think this is just kind of like, what's going on here? I mean, it's just the thing that you wouldn't expect out of the Big Ten. You wouldn't expect Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa. Nebraska and Iowa really haven't accepted it yet. But these monster schools, there's going to be a college football season and these schools aren't going to be involved? Like, that's almost, uh, you got to be kidding me if you went back in a few months ago and said they're, the SEC is going to play in the fall with Big Ten's not. It just yeah, that is so surprising to on every level. And when you, um, I guess, get into this more, you get to eventually talk about Kevin Warren here. And I have been very disappointed in his performance because I was a big supporter of his when he got started. I loved his resume. Mm-hmm. And no, he has not handled this well. Maybe, I don't know how he turns around at this point. I don't know if he can. I'm not saying long-term. I'm just saying in this situation, it's hard to see him getting out. Even Well, I think that he set it up that no one's going to like him. And I wouldn't be surprised if his term's not over within the next year. Yeah, that's that's hard. That's in the realm of possibility. What, oh, there's two other things I want to really hit on this, but this might go for a minute. The first one is there's also, with the Big Ten, this notion of this vote that no one seems to know if it actually happened or not. Uh, yeah, I don't Frankie think it Mason? did. I'm not sure it didn't. Because Penn State's AD, like, I think she was asked, like, do you, did the president tell you how she voted? Or he, whoever, I don't know what the president is at Penn State, but how the president voted. And she kind of danced around the point saying, well, I don't know if it actually happened. I feel like if it happened, you would know as AD. Yeah, I, I don't really... I can't see that being the case. I feel as if, in a way, that vote would have been much more public. The details of it would have eventually leaked and all that. I think that the presidents of the schools and and the board of trustees at the ones at more of the public level universities uh, were consulted, most likely post-decision. But, no, I don't think there was a vote. I don't really think it was left up to vote because you have schools that have almost literal uprisings, especially like a Nebraska. Oh, yeah, Iowa, Nebraska, um, Ohio State. I, I don't – literally those three schools I can't see voting in favor of delaying the season, delaying in quotes, because I'm still skeptical this spring season going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I, I don't all. think it's going to happen. I really don't. And – 
Jordan, I don't know if you really have anything to add on to this, but this has just been so discussed everywhere. And we're kind of late to it, but it's good to get it out. Uh, let's just talk about how it affects the Terps, I guess, from a little well, bit. Well, there's one, there's one more thing I think you can't really skirt when you discuss this, which is the um, long-term implications as far as paying athletes go in terms of what this pandemic has done. Because there are schools now, like NC State in North Carolina, to name two, that have sent their students home but are still going to run with football season. Yep. And in cases like that, you're not a huge proponent of paying these um, student-athletes, Mason. So I just want to hear, how would you defend that action if you have to make a legal argument for it, which I feel like is what's going to come after this? Yeah, and it may come after this. I think that there's a clear decision here. They, all these players are given the choice to opt out. They are opting in. And but why do they get to stay? So what makes the, the, them different? I think it's because they have an opportunity to represent the school. And I don't really think that warrants being paid. And in a sense, again, in a sense, they are paid. They're given a competitive advantage as far as classes and as far as going to that school for free. And in my opinion, that is reasonable compensation for 85 people. Now, we've had this discussion on this podcast before. The ones, the top 10 players, I may argue with along with you. They deserve to be paid. But there is no possible way that the 85 or 105, depending on how you look at it, student-athletes should be paid because about almost all of them bring a loss to the school. They don't bring gains. The only ones that bring gain, gains are the team and the top players. But not every one of the 85 scholarship football players, I believe, deserves to be compensated over the, let's just say, $50,000 if they're out of, out of the state school. Or in North Carolina, I believe it's like 8000 if you're in-state. But they can, hey, really, I just want... you know, really ask them. If it's a difference between you getting paid or you playing football and having to go home, what, what's the choice going to be? I'll bet you all of them will say, I'll stay here and play for free. Well, I don't think it's that simple, though. I, I just don't think but, they deserve to be paid. Honestly, they're given an advantage. They get to stay at school. Who wouldn't want to stay at school? I mean, I hate to make that no, kind not, of argument, not, but it's kind of like the thing is it's just another advantage for the student-athlete. Honestly, I think a lot of the same people that say you got to pay these people would say they have to go home just like anybody else, paid or not. It's not oh, safe that, for them yeah, to stay on campus. Uh, it's well, just, that's the same argument. Okay. I'm so are, are the are the international students asked to leave if they even gotten yeah. back into the country? I have no clue. Is there any option at these schools for any students to stay on campus? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I, like I, I think said, that, I those are the details of the, of the argument. Because when people were talking about only bringing the athletes back at all, uh, my first kind of question knowing a lot of the way this stuff's tiered is are the honor students or lab students allowed back on campus? Are the international students allowed to stay on campus? If you can prove that you have a bad family situation, are you allowed to stay on campus? If you have nowhere else to live, are you allowed to stay on campus? And then you yeah, create but... a class of student that can stay on campus. Okay, and at that, and that point, the athletes argument. are allowed to stay because they, as we all know, paid or not, they're in a different class of student. 
They're always given first choice. They're always given first selection. Honor students and athletes. At least where I went, that was the case. They were always given first pecking, whether it was housing, class enrollment, you know, whatever else other options you had. Those kinds of tiers of students were, are given an advantage because in the school's eyes, they've quote-unquote earned it or they're in full scholarship. I got more than I bargained for in that one. <laughs> All right. Um, so as you said, Mason, what? How does? how do you think this – cancellation of fall sports affects Maryland specifically from a football standpoint and and I'm stressing football because I think a lot of these fall sports will play in the spring but I don't think football's going to I think you can move a field hockey season and a soccer season soccer's gonna be interesting because of the shared venue with track and field I think a lot of those teams are, may, may be able to play from a football standpoint, in a way, I can't even say that it's bad. I mean, you have a great recruiting class coming in, and this program can't afford more embarrassment. And with the players that were going to sit out for the Terps, Johnny Jordan, Austin Fontaine, uh, Kaltai on the defensive side, I mean, it was just going to be trouble. Without Johnny Jordan and Austin Fontaine, the offensive line was barren, and, and I didn't really want to be in a position where the Terps were, were going to have to be embarrassed time and time on national television and start losing these recruits. That would have been the most detrimental thing to the program. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I had the same thoughts. as When the season was canceled, it may have been, like, even though I was upset about it, it may have been the best thing for the Terps because we, you get to get those players that we were so happy about getting in the, in the 2019 cycle and the 2020 cycle into the system and develop a little bit. And that might be the best possible thing to happen for the Terps is, like you said, don't get embarrassed on national television, you know, eight more times next season. Get a couple, maybe a full year, a couple more months to develop the talent that Locks has brought in and build the Maryland brand more. And as far as building the brand goes when you're not playing, Maryland has done a great job this last, how long has quarantine been? Five months? Uh, just about, yeah, coming up on it, if not exceeding it, depending on what part of the country you're in. He's done late night with locks. We had all those great guests on. He uh, founded the minority coach, the football minority coach group, wherever it's called, which is a big deal. Like, that's a big brand building thing and a good thing that I can't believe didn't already exist in football, by the way. Like, those are things that are going to push you towards getting a better class of players and possibly turning the tide for the Terps in the future. Yeah, and we've also seen during the, this period our fair share of recruiting losses. Uh, the Terps not able to land Jamon Dumas-Johnson, not able to land Malcolm Johnson, the wide receiver. They lost the recruiting battle last second to LSU for Greg Penn. Uh, we've seen our fair share of losses, Caleb Williams. So it, it hasn't been fantastic. The Terps the now in the position as far as a recruiting class where they're looking to finish it off, add those last pieces. I would like to see some more cornerbacks. And they got to land some offensive linemen. Terps have one commit on the offensive line, Kyle Long, who I believe they got a flip from Central Michigan on. And it seems like on the offensive line, they're targeting uh, size right now. 6'6", 300-pound plus. That seems to be the only guys Maryland's taking, which I agree with. 
but overall, strong class, yes. But it didn't. It hasn't quite finished out the way the Terps wanted to see it. No, it hasn't. And I agree with you. The offensive line is still a big area of concern, although they really load up on the defensive line, as we already talked about at length. Well, yeah, and on the offensive line, they have a lot of pieces in the works right now. Evan Gregory, uh, they added a lot of JUCO talent. Um, they got to work towards, yeah, transfers and getting some, some freshmen that are going to be developmental pieces. Uh, onto this offensive line. And I think that's kind of it for football. We're going to see what the future holds. Um, I'm excited for football season to get started, though. I can't lie. Even without the Terps. It might be less stressful without the Terps this season, actually. I, I'm just going to miss it. You know, there aren't going to be that many games. You know, there's no out-of-conference games to watch. There's not going to be many upsets, you know, from rando teams or FCS teams uh, beating any uh, Power Five, you know, conferences, and I just think it's going to be—it's just not going to be that fun to watch. It's—it's it's going to be less. That's what you're you know, looking for. It is. And I, for one, think ACC football is absolute garbage. I mean, it just is. There aren't that many competitive teams. I'm—I'm I'm excited to see that North Carolina team play. Mac Brown seems to be doing a fantastic job there. And then the SEC, I just feel like, is so overhyped. You know, unless LSU or Auburn steps up as a competitor, you know, maybe the University of Florida, we've just seen too many teams run the table there and be dominant. And now I will watch it. But, with again, without the fans, college football isn't really the same. And I sure as hell hope we don't see college basketball without the fans, Jordan. Because that's just not even worth watching to me. I agree with you on that one. Uh, college basketball is around the corner, and I don't see things getting making up the difference that we need in order to play that yet. Yeah, no, I don't either. I mean, the thing is, that's also inside. Yes. And there's a lot of tight hallways and a really a lot of small, tiny environments uh, in in the realm of college basketball. Let's let's talk about the Terps on the basketball front now, Jordan. They add, uh, is it James Graham, a four-star kind of wing out of Wisconsin? Yep, James Graham, as you mentioned, a three- or four-star wing, depending on who you ask, a small forward wing out of the Milwaukee area. Um, part of a surprisingly strong 2021 class for the Terps, who are now ranked ninth in the 247 composite on that class, Look, I'm not going to – it's it's hard to rate basketball still for me. It because is. It is. It's such a complicated situation for a lot of reasons, mostly because I feel like – I still feel like – I'm trying to figure out the words to put it because here's the thing. Maryland basketball last season is going to be a giant what-if on the career of Mark mm -hmm. Turgeon and male basketball. Definitely. And I don't think that's going away. Like, if... I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, actually, about when the uh, pandemic really started to break in America. And we were... Just, it was when we were watching the jazz because, you know, Rudy Gobert was the first high-profile case in America and that kind of started everything spiraling. And... We kind of mentioned that, like, well, you know, if he didn't get it, it probably would have just been like another week or something before 
things shut down, which is probably true. But my my thought was like, man, if it was another week, we could have won the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, that is true. And we could have, and we could have seen what we came of that, and that might have been very relevant when you're talking about Maryland basketball right now. Yeah, because even let's just say you win that tournament, the narrative changes. You could say we'd be sitting here probably even more bummed out that we didn't see the NCAA tournament. We'd be saying, you know, we we were really accomplished something last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now. And- yeah, I'll give you my take on this from the Terps recruiting class. Yeah, it's top 10 right now. You know, who knows really what's going to happen. I still feel like we're missing on guys. You know, they missed out on Benny Williams. They've missed out on all the five stars yet again. And in one sense of the word, you got to be happy with the guys that we got. In another sense, I still feel that Mark Turgeon's main pitch is as a recruiter. And we're getting, you know, low four stars, mid four stars coming off a Big Ten championship season. What more solid recruiting ground could this man ever have than what he has right now? And still, we're seeing four-star guys. Now, I'm not opposed to the guys that stay for more than one year. I like that. But again, we're talking about a a, a terrible in-game coach. And a school that pitches him as a, as a recruiter. And what do we do? We're missing out on local top talent, and we're missing out on just top-tier guys. I don't I know about you, Jordan, a... but it's still disappointing to me that they can't get a five-star. I mean, it's a little bit disappointing. I'm not going to say it's not. And I think – well, I think saying that we're missing out on local talent is a bit unfair in this case because Julian Reese and I cornered for both Baltimore area natives. Yeah, but I'm talking about Jordan DeMatha. DC, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, I know, and the argument has always been for Maryland on both the gridiron and the basketball court. Can we just recruit the guys within 40 miles of campus? And the answer is most of the time no, for the many reasons, and a lot of those reasons are not Turge's fault. No, but at least in football, you're seeing that change. Yes, slowly, you are, but that's and, and the inroads are being made, and that that's another thing that I forgot to point out earlier is, yeah, they didn't get the best players out of St. Francis. Yeah, they didn't get the best players out of DeMatha. But you're starting to see them taking three stars out of schools that Maryland wasn't even allowed into prior to. Mainly St. Francis. Continue. Yeah, and I would love to be able to get a guy like Mike Fox in Maryland basketball. but it's, I don't really think that exists. I was going to say, it doesn't really exist because the DMD is so deeply talent-rich in basketball. Like, unmatched talent-rich in basketball. That it, you can't even have one guy because everybody thinks, tries to sink their claws in here to get the best players. Well, I, I don't think there's a college basketball budget big enough to own this area. Well, that's also true, and logistically, it's also true, just because of how many you know players and versus how many spots you have on a team. That's besides the point. I think Maryland basketball is in a good spot for 2021. I really do. I think the talent that we have here at the moment with Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins and Dante Scott is promising. I still don't know who's going to be point guard in the future. And that is still a concern. Well, it's going to be a Quan Quan Smart. Yeah. And I guess we're going to see how good he really is. Roddy Peters part two. Well, well, Roddy Peters was a four-star recruit. That was highly recruited. A Quan Smart, I was actually going to say, is his highest, like his most notable offer before the trips got on him was East Tennessee's. Um, East Tennessee State, who's not a, like a bad program, but they're not, you know, when you aspire to be. 
No. And yeah, and yes, he got some more attention. He got a lot more attention after Maryland started looking at him, and maybe they just got him early, which is very possible. But I'm just saying that Mason, you always watch who else offers players whenever we land recruits, mm-hmm. and that one was just one where I took a page out of your book. Yeah, and I think rightfully so. Um. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. One, I believe the Big Ten is supposed to be rumored to be coming out with a plan to run the basketball conference slate. Yeah, um, I've heard a couple of plans. One, it's one I think I actually kind of love, is being a, hopping above with the Big East, like combined into one thing. I think it would be awesome, actually, if you had to do it that way. Yep, I would agree. And, and there's just been a few plans out there, but I, I'm not even going to speculate about that. We'll wait to see the official one. Uh, Jordan, you got anything else to add? Um, I think, uh, just to be upfront with our fans here, uh, we already kind of mentioned this. It's been hard for us to focus on sports with everything going on in the country these days, and in our own personal lives. And with the Big Ten season not happening, realistically speaking, I don't know when we're gonna be back, Mason. Yeah, I don't really know where where this podcast goes. You know, where any real Maryland content goes. I mean, that goes for all of the fellow people kind of in the Maryland media. There's not much to write about. There's not much to talk about. And with just just the landscape and the outlook and the way the Big Ten Conference is taking this, there's not going to be much to talk about. And I think, you know, between Jordan and myself, this podcast is meant for the Terps. You know, it's not it's not meant for any other teams. Really, few and far between do other topics get on here. And, and I would like to keep it that way. You yeah, know, that was our... I, I'm one to say I would rather not have this podcast be about something else because it's just dedicated to Maryland. And without Maryland, there's not really this podcast. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's not like we have to do this podcast from a financial perspective. Mason and I, we do this for fun. And we've been very deliberate, especially for our first couple episodes, to make it as much. Even when the Capitals like won the Stanley Cup, we didn't. We talked about that for five minutes because this is a Maryland podcast for us. And that was a huge thing for us, but we still kept it out for the most part because we feel like there's not enough Maryland-focused content or maybe Maryland-exclusive content. Yeah. And... I mean, maybe something will happen. Maybe something amazing will happen that will get us back on here. But realistically speaking, I don't know when we're going to be back. Yeah, and maybe we'll try and chalk up something like an interview series. But even for that, what really, what do you ask? You know, there's not much to ask current players. And then the former players, yeah, you finally get a chance to talk about what was. But there's nothing to connect it to going on now. And I think that's an interesting way if Jordan and I wanted to take it that way. And, and you know, as always, we'd like to you guys to share your thoughts on this. But without, you know, this is a day-to-day Maryland podcast. And sure, there have been some interviews, you know, sprinkled in. But most of it's been with current guys, recruits, uh, players giving their input on current teams, former players giving their input on current teams. And and, and that's just kind of the way I would like to keep it. Because it's not really, it's not a feature podcast, you know. And, yeah, as always, Jordan and I have strived to make quality 
uh, good content on Maryland, and it kind of hurts that there's not much Terps. You know, there isn't Terps to talk about. You look at Maryland-centered sites, and other than player features, there haven't really been news stories maybe once a week, once every two weeks. And to me, it's just sad. You know, really sitting down here and doing this podcast makes you kind of think about what was. You know, a year ago at this time, I was going to football practice almost every day, getting all the content that was finally allowed to see in Maryland football. Now, you know, you're you're lucky. A reporter would even be lucky to get into a game. I think on that positive note, we're going to leave it there. Um, Hopefully we'll get back to you soon, as we said. But until then, I'm your co-host, Jordan Viner. Yeah, and this has been your host, Mason Viner. And as always, we would like to thank our sponsors of the show, Allied Party Rentals in Beltsville and Viner Fourgates in Rockville. And as Jordan said, we'll definitely be back. Just don't know when. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening.